we should probably turn our attention to the art of seduction and, and off European prostitution, because I saw we're losing a ton of viewers while we're discussing this. But, <laughs> but it is kind of fascinating. It is kind of fascinating to know what's happening with uh, degeneracy across uh, across this continent. But anyway, for those of you who, whom that is perhaps less of a pressing issue, um, we are talking about the art of seduction by Robert Greene. We're continuing with the series and we're going to we're doing the show today. I'm going to be talking about the anti-seducer, which is the next section in the book that we come to. And as it says on the tin, this is about those characteristics that are anti-seductive. So these are the things that you, you shouldn't be doing, basically. And there's some really interesting stuff in this chapter. We're probably not going to keep this one going for, for too long, about, about an hour, I think. And then after that, when we're back, we will come into the next section, which is really all about... The types, he calls it the seducer's victims, which is, again, not very politically correct, but the types of uh, people that you might seek to seduce. And he breaks those down. So we'll go in, be going into those going forward. But the anti-seducer is a really interesting section, isn't it? And I know, Jack, you said that you, uh, you've always liked this section. Yes, I've always liked this section a lot because it's a reminder of my less attractive character traits, one of them Did being... You? Yes, I do have them. I know. Very Amazing. Sure. I know. Amazing. I know. I know. But like, in, like impatience. Like when mm. it comes to getting what I want, it comes in handy. Like I'm very direct in things. Uh, yes. A friend of mine said, "You need uh, what did he say again? You need a uh, a plan of approach or something." He said something like that. I like I have a plan approach. Just do it. Yes. Go on, do it. I want something. Go and get it. Yes. No hesitation. But when it comes to seduction, which is a process, it isn't. It's called pickup artistry for a reason. It's an mm. art in and of itself. Let's say you're texting with a girl, whatever. Text game in and of itself, and I said this before, is actually nothing more than patience. You send a text and you just wait till you get one back. No double texting, whatever. No texting. Um, after that, to see if she got your text, she mm. got your text. She's not, just not that invested. And the more you push yourself towards that, the less invested she is going to get. So yeah. me being impatient with uh, succeeding in things has to be turned down when it comes to game, so to say, because you're dealing with a person and you're dealing with the opposite sex, which is very turned down by a guy who is impatient because hmm. what what does that tell a woman that you are dealing from a source from a perspective of scarcity hmm. he who is hmm. patient knows he's going to get it either way like either you are going to succumb to it or somebody else i don't hmm. care hmm. i've shown my interest and now i'm going to let the gods decide so to say Mm, mm, exactly, exactly. And I suppose the Uber Alpha is also not that bothered on an individual case by case basis if a particular girl comes through or not, because so what, right? He's got plenty of other options. So he's just not going to be that. He's not going to be chasing up and following up every five minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because he's got other, how do I say that, other girls in the pipeline. Exactly. Indeed, he has. So look, the anti-seducer, let's hear the introduction. And by the way, thanks, everybody, for tuning in on the live stream. Elliot Chapo, Alpha Sloth, Hot and Steamy. That sounds like a good one, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks, everybody who's here. If you're watching this on the replay, welcome. Hope you get a ton of value from this. Either way, please hit subscribe. 
please hit the notifications bell. Please give us a like, a thumbs up, a comment, etc., etc. Really, really helps out pushing this out through the algorithm. Anyway, let's have a look at the introduction to the section. It says, seducers draw you in by the focused individualized attention they pay you. Anti-seducers are the opposite, insecure, self-absorbed, and unable to grasp the psychology of another person. They literally repel. Does that remind you of any conference organizer in Florida? Yeah, some guy <laughs> wanted to make women great again or something like that. Indeed. Uh, and it continues. Anti-seducers have no self-awareness, never realize when they are pestering, imposing, talking too much. They lack the subtlety to create the promise of pleasure that seduction requires. Root out anti-seductive qualities in yourself and recognize them in others. There is no pleasure or profit in dealing with the anti-seducer. So I suppose there's two sides to this. There are the things that we need to avoid ourselves if we're going to get good results in the dating marketplace. But also equally, it's one of those things where it's a bit like avoid the the lonely and the unlucky or whatever. The, his the unhappy word. and the unlucky. Yeah, there's an element of that in it, isn't there? Yeah, like, again, Robert Greene's books overlay each other. They mm. cross each other every now and then, and especially with this one. The unhappy and the unlucky that he mentions in 48 Laws of Power um, are mostly, how do I phrase that? Mm. So the people who always have something negative going on, mm. and it's nine out of ten, nine out of ten times, it's self-inflicted. Yeah. Now, you try to talk to these people. Like You know the phrase, you cannot save the drowning man? Yes. Very appropriate for these situations. Now, when mm. it comes to seduction in and of itself, these people tend to repel a lot. Like They, they generate a sort of pitiness, sort of sadness in people. Like, I feel sad for you. Yeah. But who wants to fuck somebody they think is sad? Mm. Like mm. that that's not gonna happen. I don't want to fall in love with a girl who's sad or whatever. I've met girls, I've chatted them up, and all of a sudden they're like, Oh, my life's a bit of a living hell, and blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, I've had that for the first 14 years of my life. Not gonna deal with that again. Bye, have a nice life. Like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. You yeah. become attend to certain things like that. Because your life, let's say yours and mine's yours more than mine because you've got the digital nomad thing going on. You have more liberty than most people I know. Well, I, I used to. You used to before you went back to England. <laughs> but why would you want to be intertwined with someone whose life is a mess? Mm. And be it financially or emotionally. Mm. Mm. True. Although, as an interesting adjunct to that, some guys do get into that position, don't they? Because there are guys, and this is a kind of a Rich Cooper topic, but guys who will, say, get involved with single mothers who have issues with, you know, and so on and so forth, or, or women who are depressed or chemically addicted or something. So guys, as much as you say that, and that sounds logical on the surface, there are guys who do fall into this trap, aren't there? Scarcity. Scarcity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it's not that I think we're all suckers for a pretty face, aren't we? And particularly if you're like you say, scarcity, because if you're a guy and you meet a girl and you find her very attractive, but there are clearly red flags. 
about her behavior or mentality or, you know, her life is in disarray, mm -hmm. then if you think that you don't have other options, then you might be inclined to go with it because, well, you haven't got any other options, right? And then you get the wounded birds. Oh, I've just got to look after her. I'm just going to make her feel all right thing. And mm -hmm. that will lead you down a very dark road. Yep. And that's very, very, very dangerous. Absolutely. And I think this chapter actually is probably good for that as well, because it reminds people uh, of the danger of this and perhaps pulls out some of the traits that these people have. But the first section is called the typology of anti-seducers. And he says, anti-seducers come in many shapes and kinds, but almost all of them share a single attribute, the source of their repellence, insecurity. That's an interesting line, isn't it? Insecurity, do you think that is the at the heart of being anti-seductive? I think yes. Most of our unattractive behaviors come from one, either scarcity or indeed uh, insecurity. And I like, suppose I suppose scarcity is a result of insecurity anyway, right? Yes. Like, why would this woman want to date me? Well, mm. why wouldn't she? Like, come on, man. Like, I am yeah. lucky to have her. No, 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 no. She's lucky to have me. A lot of guys do not know how to think like that. And when they start doing it, they're being hammered back down to their obedient little position where it's like, no, you need to be less so she can become better. Mm. Like, how many times, and we talked about this before, like mental point of origin, trademark, Roller Tomasi, hypergamy. But <laughs> it's a mental point of origin thing. And guys who are insecure live in a scarcity mindset and want to impress her so that she will like him. And yes, the book is asexual, actually, but since most the guys listen to this, I'm going to refrain to it like that. You're going to be unattractive to her because yeah. why would she want to date someone that no other women want to bang? Hmm. Or yes. a guy who's insecure about himself. She is not there to take care of you. She is not your mother. Mm. Mm. She wants to be your lover. But when you come from that insecure place, she will never feel like that. She will feel like a caretaker. And that's yeah. not a position she wants to be in. Maybe with children, but not the guy who bends her over the couch. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you, and insecurity, it's, it's just the number one thing that we try to help guys to eradicate, isn't it? It's the number one thing that I had to eradicate in myself. And this is why you get all of this talk about just be confident, bro, because it, confidence, which I suppose is the antithesis of insecurity, is, is a very attractive trait and insecurity is a repellent. And that's kind of, kind of what it comes down to. But he then goes on to list a few of the ways that you might identify somebody who's anti-seductive. And there's an interesting line here. He says, perhaps they lavish you with undeserved praise, declaring their love before knowing anything about you, or they pay no attention to detail. But that first bit, maybe they lavish you with undeserved praise, declaring their love up front. That's interesting, isn't it? Because this is another thing that we always encourage guys not to do, because it's so easy to you meet the girl, you're like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. And you sort of put her on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I, I suppose you'd have to be a pretty hard case to be declaring undying love on the on the first meeting, probably for most people watching this. But nevertheless, the the idea is if you're giving her too much immediately, 
then that, I suppose, is a sign of insecurity, isn't it? And it's also deeply unattractive. Yeah, absolutely. You're pedestalizing her right away. I've had girls tell me that they've had dates where the guy on the first date, like, wears his emotions on his sleeve and declares his love right away. Like, ends the date with an I love you, where it's like, dude, I just met you. Like, guys really mm. do this. Mm. Mm. And that's really... I suppose coming from our perspective, and I'm not sitting here like we are, you know, the gods of seduction, uh, sitting back and laughing, chuckling over the the follies of On our, our fellow Mount man, Olympus. But, yeah, ha, 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 ha. look at those, look at those fools down there. Olympus. But uh, but we kind of are, and it it is incredible, really, that that guys act like that. But this is why I suppose this kind of material is so important because you need to check yourself, basically, as I think the kids say these days. Well, yeah, absolutely, and I mean, you have to look at how society raises boys these days. Mm. Uh, to tend to lead with their emotions. yeah. And when you look at marketing and things like that, I'm not diving too deep into it, but a lot of guys are being told that if you want to get a girl, you have to act like a girl. Mm. So mm. this is what's going to happen. Like, a girl likes emotions, I'm just going to be emotionally vulnerable. Yeah, and that can also seem intuitively to make sense as well, can't it? Because I went through a phase of that when I was younger, and it wasn't that was a, a couple of years ago now. And it wasn't that the environment was so incredibly soy at the time when I was being brought up. But nevertheless, actually, it kind of already in the 90s, it, it had started with this sense of women like vulnerable men, women like guys who are in touch with their emotions, in touch with their feminine side. And it's the thing about that, that argument is that it does seem to make a sort of sense doesn't it because you would think intuitively well she's like this she has those attributes and so therefore if i reflect those back she's going to like me that's the thought process isn't it yeah that's the thought process but the the weird thing is in reality opposites attract yeah yeah absolutely absolutely Although you're you're not wrong i mean i used to do that too when i was younger I mean, mm. I can tell you weird stories, man, about my insecurities. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> is this the right forum to share? Um, <laughs> uh, some of them. Some of them. I could I could tell some of them. But the, there was a long uh, project of uh, me dealing with some youth traumas and things like that. And I had yeah. a girl who was absolutely in love with me. And I couldn't fathom that. So I had that girl on top of me. And I still had the idiocracy of asking her, like, are you sure you like me? It's like... <laughs> Yeah. When I think back on that, because back then mentally, I just couldn't make those connections. Yeah. Because of yeah. like the whole psychological reasons behind it and things like that. But it can happen that mm. you are in such an insecure state that every positive feedback thing you get, you discard. It's like, oh no, no, no. Like this is just like she wants something of me or he wants something of me and like I'm actually worthless and things like that, blah, 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 blah. And that's why content like this and books like that are so important mm. to make you realize how repulsive you can actually be towards someone else when you do things yeah. like that. But when mm. it comes to like that showing vulnerability, like you mentioned yourself, we have to say you're, you have that archetype going on of the author. Mm. And I'm saying you embody that dandyish. Mm. Uh, look, mm. which is in of itself a sort of vulnerability in an artistic sense. Like, where do you yes. think emo kids get laid left and right? 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, that that absolutely correct. I mean, the and this is it's a balancing act because you don't want to be telling guys on mass, yeah, be emotional, be open to your feelings and things like that. Because in most cases, that's the opposite of what you should be doing. But for the right person with the right archetype, and particularly for the so-called alpha who already has pre-selection. Showing that little chink of vulnerability can be really, really powerful and really, really attractive, basically. But it's just not something you lead with. No, no, indeed, indeed. Unless you're Justin Bieber or somebody, in which case you can kind of lead with anything you want and you'll get away with it. But for most mm. of us, it's not something to lead with. And, and most guys are just too much on the sensitive side already that they need to dial it back back in but I wrote um, a poem for you <laughs> oh have you oh thanks well you share it at the end of the show um <laughs> but um then he goes through some different types of anti-seducers okay so we, we might as well talk through these so the first one is the brute um and this actually speaks to what you were talking about which is impatience okay i mean the brute i suppose also he, he kind of perhaps it's a one in the eye for the uber macho alpha males in the red pill space because the brute obviously would imply somebody like that and he's saying it's anti-seductive but what he seems to be talking about in particular is not having patience it says brutes have no patience for such things that is to say the ritual of seduction to be patient is to show that you are thinking of the other person, which never fails to impress. Impatience has the opposite effect, assuming that you're so interested in them that you have no reason to wait. Brutes offend you with your egotism. Okay, now look, this is one of these sections where I start to slightly disagree with him, or at least I think we need to be careful about how this is applied, because actually... That is sort of contrary to a lot of what gets taught, isn't it? In the sense that we would say, well, no, actually, a guy who is sort of arrogant, who does have that egotism, who does have that sense that, you know, why should he have to wait? That kind of guy actually can be very successful. So what's your take on this bit? There's a charm to it. Like, how I always interpret the manosphere with the... Um be aggressive, so to say, it's more be assertive. Yeah. But when I read Robert Greene's brute variant of the anti-seducer, I read it more as the guy who hasn't even gotten that down. Mm. Who just, okay. Like the stereotypical mode one, mm. if, you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like walk up to a girl, want to bang, no, oh, you're a cunt. Sorry. <laughs> you're a lesbian. Like, no, that's not going to work. Mm. And for guys who've actually read Mode 1, it's not like that. Yeah. Like yeah. Adam Roger Curry wrote a great book on that, but Mode 1 is not walking up to a girl and asking, hey, want a bang? Mm -hmm. But when I read The Brute again, like let's say with online dating, you have a match, and the first thing you do is, what's your number, blah, 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 blah. Nine times out of 10, 99% out of 10, it's not going to work. Yeah. Unless the girl texts you, like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Then it works. But as a guy, when you tend to do try to pull that, that's going to be a failure. You need to be able to be assertive, yet not be aggressive mm. when it comes to mm. that. It's called game for a reason. Be smooth about it. And that takes patience. Like, 
You and I have talked about this before. The girls who you have an interaction with online and you, you've, let's say, uh, 10 messages back and forth. That's yeah. flirting going on. Then mm. you ask mm. for the number and then all of a sudden she's like, oh, but I don't give up my number that fast. Now, at that point, I say, you're not a brute for saying, okay, I'm wasting my time. But when you already start doing that after the first message without her giving you any inclination of being attractive other than swipe, then I'd say, yeah, you're being pretty impatient. Yeah. So again, yeah. there's a nuance to this. Mm, mm, be assertive mm -hmm. and be respectable of your own time. You've put your best foot forward. You have been assertive. You have made your will known. Now you're going for, uh, you're going for it. And she rejects you with a, I don't give her my number that fast. Move on. Mm, mm. Yes, absolutely. And I think this thing about impatience is really important here because whether it's driven by genuinely and actually he talks here about inferiority he does talk here about inferiority because whether it's driven by genuine cockiness and you're sitting there thinking well why the hell hasn't she come back to me yet me of all people how can she leave me on red or whatever or if it comes from actual neediness you're like oh my god why has she left me on red and so you text her back either way it's bad and as he says here it does probably to her it looks like insecurity even if you are just massively cocky and you're just like hey you know and so that's why you're pushing it or that's why you're following up too quickly it can still look to her like like insecurity and that and obviously is a is a is a, a desire killer mm -hmm. and then you bring up a good point would the guy who thinks he is the shit text the girl back who doesn't text him mm. I, I don't think he would because he thinks he's the shit so he knows he could get somebody else if she doesn't fall into his frame, her loss. Yes, yes. I think that that is the case. I think that that really is the case. I mean, it's possible, I suppose, that a very um, sexually successful guy could get stuck on a particular girl. But even if he does, that probably to her is going to look like weakness because she's going to think, well, what's so special about me and he doesn't even know me yet and now all of a sudden he's so it's never a good look it's never a good look and you're right to be fair the guy who's jet setting around and he's having all these different sexual adventures he's not going to be bothered he's not going to be following up with somebody who's less than than keen um and on that note the next one is called the suffocator and this isn't about a sex game disappointingly, but it is about uh, suffocating people with your attention. He says, suffocators fall in love with you before you are even half aware of their existence. The trait is deceptive. You might think they have found you overwhelming, but the fact is they suffer from an inner void, a deep well of need that cannot be filled. So again, it speaks to insecurity, doesn't it? Because uh, this is the classic Chody thing. You've met her once, you've gone on a date with her, you're like, oh my God, I love you. Or, you know, you're so amazing, you pedestalize her and the girl is just turned off because she thinks, well, hang on a minute, you hardly, you don't know anything about me. And already you're sharing this overwhelming, you know, emotion about me. And it looks insecure, again, because it's almost as if, you get one little hint of maybe reciprocation from a girl and suddenly you're, you're all in. 
suddenly are all in. And again, would the super successful guy be like that? Probably not. Because, because, because the, super, the super successful guy isn't going to throw all of his chips. Is this the right analogy? Perhaps not. Eggs in one basket? He's not going to put all of his eggs in one basket immediately, is he? Because, quite frankly, there might be a cuter basket just down the road. And so he wants to keep a few of those eggs um, back, if you like. So if you do put all your eggs in one basket, that is signaling to her that you are a lower quality man. Okay, And that's not going to be a turn on for her. Oh, no, absolutely not. You're showing neediness and scarcity. Again, I've had that in my youth where I latched onto a girl for what's the word? validation is the word validation. Where it's like, do you like me? Are you sure about this? I mean, was my girlfriend for like I don't know how many months? It's like, mm. are you sure? Blah blah blah. But that was this this insecurity and neediness caused by that that trauma in youth that made me need that validation. Mm, you mm. can guess how that ended, but well, those were things you had to deal with as a guy. Mm, and me mm. from that perspective, like, okay, what caused this and blah, blah, blah. And when I went through all that therapy, it, luckily it finally went away. My insecurities and things like that, I learned to think around, like, no, like, why the hell should I be insecure? I learned to realize that people are with me because they want to be that. Nobody's forcing them to yeah. be with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's your feeling on, ther on therapy or counselling generally? Because I was talking about this the other day. I, I would say that some guys, as you might be learning this stuff, you might be learning dating skills, pick up game, day game, whatever. But that in itself is not going to solve all of your problems. It's not going to cure all your inner demons. And some guys do need a bit more, don't they? Yes, and I'll I won't dive too much into it, but I had abusive parents, mm. one being an alcoholic. I needed therapy for that. So when somebody's just insecure, I won't say you need therapy, but when you have an actual youth trauma with parents who had a substance abuse, mm. you probably don't want to listen to us or whatever. Seek professional help. I would advocate for a guy if you're a man. But other than that, seek help. Because mm. you might have some traumas you haven't uh, you haven't dealt with yet. Yes. Yes. So it all depends on the individual situation. Yes. Yes. I would agree with that, though. I would second that. I think that if you're coming to this space and you are damaged and you are trying to get your dating life in gear, by all means watch the material by, <laughs> by Renegade Dating Blueprint, <laughs> link below. Uh, I'm only joking. But you know, by, all, by all means, consume the content and start going out and doing some approaches. But what you may find is that you also need to look at some of the underlying issues that you've got. I certainly did. I certainly did myself. Uh, I've told this story many times. I was, uh, I had, I'd similarly, with my childhood, there were, there were issues in, the, in my childhood. And I'd never really confronted that stuff. And then I was going out, even in my 30s, I was going out and going to bars and clubs and meeting different girls and socializing with people and so on. And it was all fine. It wasn't that I wasn't getting successes or anything, but it, it was just that 
there was a sense of heaviness. There was a sense of unhappiness underneath. And I needed to do something more than just the dating stuff in order to you know, to, to, to counter that because dating in itself is not going to make you happy. In fact, if anything, it's going to add to your problems. Oh, so, yes. you, you know, <laughs> you need, you need to make sure the foundation is, uh, is, is sorted first. Anyway, I, I don't know, unless you've got anything to add to that, but, uh, no, I've got nothing to add to that. Like I do, I know of the, uh, the argument like therapy is nonsense. Look, some people rely too much on therapy. I will be honest about that. My girlfriend at the time tried to use therapy against me, which was horrible gaslighting. But again, when you have a severe mental trauma or whatever, psychological trauma, do not disregard therapy. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so moving on. The next one that he mentions is the moralizer. And he says, seduction is a game and should be undertaken with a light heart. All is fair in love and seduction. Morality never enters the picture. And this really underlines, <laughs> this is a thing that goes through all of his work, isn't it, really? It's this amoral sensibility. It's this sense that, look, it's not about morality. It's not about, that's beside the point. And actually, it's probably only going to get get in the way and trip you up. Mm -hmm. But I also have a sense of this, this sort of sense of playfulness here, though. Because he says the character of the moralizer is rigid. These are people who follow fixed ideas and try to make you to bend to their standards. They want to change you to make you a better person. So they endlessly criticize and judge. Okay. And this is the key thing. You can't be judgmental with dating women. You can't in 2021, you can't be judgmental if you want to be successful in this area. And you know what I'm thinking of when I read this section? I'm thinking Dread of dreadcons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the thing. So, she's a low quality woman. You know, look, she's wearing, she's got a tattoo. She's wearing vans. She must so you're saying she's available. Uh, you know, and all of that stuff. I mean, all of that stuff is, it, it's, it's not going to help you because if she feels judged, then she's not going to open up to you in any way. Okay, so if you are some boring, moralizing git who walks around talking about high quality women and all this kind of thing, then, you, you know, I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're not going to enjoy the full fruits of the dating marketplace as it currently is, are you? No, absolutely not. I mean, moral grandstanding won't get you anywhere other than a pat on the back. Mm. And he says here... In truth, their moral ideas stem from their own unhappiness and mask their desire to dominate those around them. And I think we see that on Twitter, don't we? The guys who are real moralizers. Taking mm. a step back, you think, well, are they are they actually happy? Or is it just that they want to use this as a stick to beat people with? So when people are saying you're a degenerate or you are a shallow or whatever, or you should be this kind of high-quality man, that kind of thing, is it... Be are they actually happy in that position or is it actually because they just want to an excuse to dunk on other people i wouldn't go as far as um categorizing the trad cons there because i do know a couple of trad cons and i actually quite like them. i mean tanner guzzy is a great guy have you That's met great... him uh we've done a show long ago it was one of my first shows, but he's a very nice guy, very great guy. Good friend of Ryan's as well, by the way. Mm, uh, mm. Has some great work on fashion and things like that. But this stuff does remind me of religious leaders, and especially in the, um, which was it, the Mormon church. 
Yeah. No, not the Mormon one. What's, what's the one? The, 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 the guys who ring the doorbells. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Bingo. Jehovah's Witnesses. Those guys, I don't know if you've ever seen sermons by them. But they're um, very I'm, repressive. Okay. Very repressive towards outsider information or outsider activity and things like that. Even though behind the scenes, they do, they, they would do everything God forbids, so to say. And I know one female person who happens to be very religious as well. And she even shames her sister for wearing a dress that's sort of say too short, even though her sister's very beautiful to look at. Mm. Mother of one married, uh, no weird past or whatever. But you see them moral grandstanding to someone who's actually in a better position than they are. You need mm. to become less so people won't notice my position. Mm. You see that mm. a lot in, how do I say that? In um, very radical religious circles. Right, right. So Which they're... is all of the track on top. I mean, you're not necessarily wrong with that. But... Mm. Mm. So they are putting other people down as a result of their... Morality. Rarified morality, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I, I, either way, I mean, <clears throat> I think in terms of the dating marketplace, or more crudely, if you are somebody who's very moralistic about, say, sex, or you're saying things like, oh my God, she's got a tattoo, that must mean that she's, you know, lo a loose woman. Oh my God. If you're sort of saying things like that, or even thinking things like that, and that's coming across in your presentation that's going to turn her off because she doesn't want to be judged okay and frankly why should she be judged really if we're taking a libertarian stance on this but she doesn't want to be judged and she's not going to feel comfortable with somebody who she feels is judging her okay so being a moralizing git is just not going to do you any favors and frankly if that is your position and you don't want to shift from that then you probably want to give up the idea of say dating and get dating skills maybe you just want to look for that high quality woman and you know get married or something because you're not going to get the kind of results that you could be getting in the dating marketplace if you've got that mindset no i 100 agree so the next one is the tightwad and this is about not spending money he says cheapness signals more than a problem with money it is a sign of something constricted in a person's character something that keeps them from letting go or taking a risk. It is the most anti-seductive trait of all. You cannot allow yourself to give into it. That's interesting. The most anti-seductive quality of all, he says, is being a tightwad. Would you agree? Mm. Not necessarily. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a bit of a minimalist. Could mm. be. But you can be a tightwad without money being involved. If you know what I mean, you could be a tightwad in activity and things like that as well. Like, uh, babe, you want to go and do that? No, I don't feel like it. No, no, I don't want to. Oh, it takes effort. Uh, no, no, I don't like this. I don't like that. Could be with money where you keep hammering on on the expenses. Like everything is too expensive. No, that is too expensive. That is too expensive. But 
having fun doesn't have to be expensive. It can be cheap as well. But even if the cheapest option is too expensive for you as well, then you have, sorry, then you really have a problem going on and then you'd be a bit of a tightwad. Mm, yeah. This reminds me of the endless conversations that people would have in the early days of game about should I buy her a drink or not? Because in the game, or maybe in the Mystery Method book, it was recommended that if you're at a bar, you don't buy the girl a drink because that's the default thing that every chody guy does. You know, oh, hi, can I buy you a drink? You don't do that. And actually, there was a playful game that you could play where you would tell her to buy you a drink. And I use that a lot. You could walk up to the girls and say, hey, hey guys, you look like you're having fun. So who's going to, you know, so you're going to buy me a drink? And it's kind of cocky funny and it kind of flips flips the switch, the switch and it can work very well. It works best when you've had IOIs, I've noticed. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you just walk up to a girl who hasn't looked at you and frankly isn't <laughs> attracted to you and you ask her to buy you a drink or tell her to buy you a drink, then you're probably going to get pretty short shrift. But that sort of flipping of the script, that sort of, oh, are you going to take me out for dinner then? Are you going to buy me drinks? Are you going to do this for me? That assumptive thing is is good because it's quite funny, it's playful, and also it positions you as being of higher value than her in the in the in the interaction, which is an attractive thing to do. Because why would you do that unless you were self confident, unless you you know you you were used to being treated in that way? So even if you're kind of doing it as a joke, it kind of comes across as a joke, but also. To, to be cocky enough to do that would suggest that you've had prior good experiences. Okay. So it's all really, really good stuff. However, however, then you would get into these ridiculous debates on message boards and things. I mean, comment sections on blogs where it'd be like, Oh, so if I go on the date, should I pay or should I just go, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. And it's all bollocks. It's all BS because yeah, of course, if you've got a first date with her, buy the bloody drinks, Jesus, you know, I mean, don't and certainly don't. Whatever you do, don't try and go halves with her or anything like that. It's a, it's a disaster. Buy the bloody drinks. I'm not saying it's not about lavishing her. It's not about sort of like, oh my god, I'm going to buy you the finest champagne or something like that. But go for a couple of drinks, pay for them, just be a normal person, right? I don't get why it's so hard for guys. Like, you don't need to take her out to a three course dinner. Take her out for coffee. Should I buy the coffee? The coffee is only two bucks. Shut the exactly. hell up. Mm. Shut the hell up, buy the coffee, and go. Go have fun. Exactly. Ooh. You've got to be a normal human being. You know, <laughs> we're and, talking to the manosphere, Troy. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you've got to try and act like a normal human being. And that means buy the drinks. It's not, you're not being overly sh chival chivalric or chivalrous or anything like that. You're not making yourself look like a simp. You're just being a normal kind of human being because and probably you asked her as well if you asked her out and then you're like oh are you gonna pay for the drinks then and then if you're so worried about that i have a hack for this because in the netherlands our grocery stores give out free coffee so if you want to be smart about this you before the date go to the grocery store get two coffees and you meet her at the designated spot with the coffee there problem solved absolutely i mean yeah, you can do that. You can do that for sure. But to be honest, um, really, uh, your dates shouldn't be that expensive anyway. No. Your dates shouldn't be so expensive that money is an issue. And if money really is an issue, then as I'm sure many of our self-development compatriots would say, you've got bigger problems than dating. If 
buying a couple of drinks on a date is is that big of a deal to you, then you probably need to be looking at your money uh, with some degree of attention as well. But yeah, you know, don't, it, this was an old gamey thing and perhaps it's uh, receded into the distant past now. But this whole thing of like, oh, I'm going to be really alpha and refuse to, to pay and stuff like that. I mean, you, you just look like an idiot. It's not going to do you any favors. So don't do that. Whether I know, I know what he means about somebody who's a tight wad. It sort of seems on it, it, it is unattractive because it seems there's a certain stiffness in them that is more than just about money. It's about this this lack of joy de vivre in a way. So I do, I, I get what he means. Yeah, same here. Rigidness. Yes, yes, no exactly. Sense, no sense for adventure or fun. Exactly. And there's only one place that you want to be rigid, guys, and it's not, well, I mean, you know, under the table maybe, but, it, it, you know, you don't you don't want to be rigid in terms of your of your your money and those kinds of things. You want to be somebody fun to hang out with. That's the thing. And this is actually what Tristan Tate will say about money. It's not the money itself, in most cases, that is turning the dial as far as the girls are concerned i mean yeah you get gold diggers and stuff but in general it's not it's not the money it's are you able to provide fun experiences are you able to to bring her into your world and it's cool and it's fun and it's effortless mm -hmm. um so that is the um you know that's the key thing anyway let's go on to the next one uh the bumbler so bumblers are self-conscious and their self-consciousness heightens your own. Again, self-consciousness, I suppose, hand in hand with insecurity a bit. He says, a bit later on, he says, bumblers rarely reach the final stages of seduction, but if they get that far, they bungle that too. In seduction, the key weapon is boldness, refusing the target time to stop and think. Bumblers have no sense of timing, so they mess it up. They're awkward. They get it wrong. And... It says here, in fact, they're thinking of themselves, worrying how they look or about the consequences of, from their attempt to seduce you. So, again, self-consciousness, insecurity, it's it's about being bold, isn't it? It's about seizing the moment, not overthinking it, not tripping yourself up. Agree. Agree. It's um, with infields, when uh, you did this too, when you have, let's say, day gamers who bring up or who, who have a student with them. Then the beginning is a bit rigid, if you know what I mean. Yes. It's kind of like, hey, I saw you, but um, uh, you're something cheeky over you. <laughs> no. mm, mm, mm. And then they, they look at their hands and they're noticing, like, oh, shit, I have sweaty hands. Does he see our sweaty hands? Oh, this is so unattractive. And they put their hands like this, things like that, instead of going with it. It's okay. So what? You have sweaty hands. Like you're not holding her hand anyway. Who cares? Yeah. Like, like yeah. focus on her. Yeah. 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 I mean, this one really. If you feel like you are a bumbler, and you're bumbling, and and many guys do, and it is about nervousness. It is about insecurity. It's also about lack of experience. To be frank, you know, and the more experiences you, that you've got, the better. Um. This there isn't so much a quick fix to this because really you, you you've just got to put yourself out there you've got to keep doing it and you've got to practice until it becomes easier and it becomes more fluid I think I think that's the answer in this case isn't it Yeah I agree Tom Torero had a nice one and uh, a warming up where it's like just walk up to a girl say she's nice and walk away Yeah absolutely yes and I get clients to do that when I'm out and about if I'm teaching which um, 
it's not happening so much at the moment because of the current <laughs> circumstances. But yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of things you can do for warm-ups. One is just to walk up and ask where McDonald's is or where the Starbucks is and things like that. So at least you're opening your mouth and you're talking to people and you realize the sky doesn't fall in. But a step up from that is to go up and say, hey, you look really nice. So I just wanted to say you look very pretty today or I love your outfit or something like that. And then just walk off. So there's no pressure. You don't have to do anything else. Uh, but it gets you used to engaging in a complimentary stroke flirtatious way without having to worry about what the outcome is going to be. So, yeah, that's a really good thing to do. Yes. And Umit says, can I buy her a cup of nicely brewed Turkish tea and baklava? I tell you what, if you want to buy us baklava, um, please do, because I'm a massive fan. Massive fan, actually, of Turkish tea and baklava. Baklava is great. Have you had it? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Very naughty. Not good for the old beach body ready. But, I know, I know. But, but it's, it's the, good the, stuff. the trick is get the beach body first and then go for the baklava. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm ready for the baklava then. So, oh, uh, let's, let's, so let's go. Okay. And then we'll wind this up relatively quickly. Uh, we're coming up on the hour, but uh, there's a couple more to go. The windbag. And it says here the most effective sedu seductions are driven by looks. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going black pill. Uh, no, he says the most effective seductions are driven by looks, indirect actions, physical lures. Words have a place, but too much talk will generally break the spell, heightening service differences and weighing things down. People who talk a lot talk about themselves. They've never acquired that inner voice that wonders, am I boring you? To be a windbag is to have a deep-rooted selfishness. Okay, well, I agree with this and I don't agree with this. I think on the one hand... Yes, you can talk too much about yourself, and that is a real turnoff. Okay, and this is where that the charmer thing comes into play. You know, yes, talking about her, listening to her, drawing her out. Okay, um, on the other hand, verbal bamboozling—that is to say, eloquence, dexterity with language—those things are actually very, very attractive. So I think it's not so much the talking itself; it's more what are you talking about? Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's like the um, the perfect lover archetype. You mm. get somebody invested by what they are telling you instead of what you are telling them about you. And, of course, we tell in the manosphere, like, be a little bit narcissistic, things like that, which mostly is your own self-thought about yourself. Yes. And it's called game and charm. How do you charm a person? How do you seduce a person? You ask them about themselves. Mm, mm. But with women, when they see they can't get to you because you are not an insecure um, doormat, so to say, that's where that slight touch of narcissism comes in. Mm. Not in the verbalization. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This section reminds me also a little bit of that 60 years of challenge thing. I don't know if you were on when I was talking about this or you've heard about this, but this is where one of the books by this pickup artist, 60 years of challenge. I think they're just available on the internet. You can get them for free, I believe. Uh, have a look. But one of them, he talks about proximity and how guys need to do less. And actually, you don't need to talk too much. You don't need to be saying lots of fancy stuff, just being near her and her, your masculine energy or whatever she will naturally find that attractive and that that is true but at the same time you can go too far down that route and you could not say anything at all and you could lose attraction that way so you've got to be a bit balanced about these things it's, it's all these things are very nuanced aren't they 
Yes, it's um, it's not black and white, so to say, because I was just thinking to myself, like, how confusing could this be? Like, it, he says I should talk about myself. He says I don't shouldn't talk about myself too much. He says to go for it. He says not to go for it. What what should I do? It's all nuance. It's balance. It's called game for a reason. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. And really, the only way through in the end is is practice. The only thing that you can do is keep throwing yourself into these situations, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work and calibrating as you go forward. That That's really, uh, you know, obviously you can take in material about it. You can watch videos and things. But in the end, the game is played out there in the field. And that's what you've got to do. And the next one is the Vulgarian. Vulgarians are inattentive to details that are important. You can see this in their personal appearance. Their clothes are tasteless by any standard, and in their actions, they do not know that it is sometimes better to control oneself and refuse to give in to one's impulses. Vulgarians will blab saying anything in public. They have no sense of timing and are rarely in harmony with your tastes. They're indiscreet, selfish, uh, and it says more than just avoiding vulgarities, you must make yourself their opposite. Tact, style, and attention to detail are the basic requirements of a seducer. Hmm. Well, what do you think about that? That that just seems to me to be a bit more of like, don't be a bumbling idiot who's sort of all over the place. And things like attention to detail, I guess that's a little bit more along the lines of finding out about her, be, paying a lot of attention to her, being discreet as well. I think that comes into this. Do you know the archetype of the neckbeard? And they can be yeah. mostly found in the atheist skeptic community online. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's where this reminds me of. Like, I am an overweight man-child with Cheeto dust on my white tank top. <laughs> Why doesn't the fitness model like me when I asked her to bang when I saw her for the first time? It's like, yes. mm, do you want me to explain? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I think our European sensibility, which we are bringing to the viewers here, I think we're quite good at this on this side of the world. We are, and I'm not saying Americans aren't or anything like that or any other, other nationality isn't, but I think one of the, in the European tradition, there is a little bit more of this gameplay. There's a little bit more of this sort of subtlety, I suppose, that's being brought into play. And I think if you could just harness a little bit of that, that, that stands you in really good stead. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously a lot of this stuff as well, it comes from the European tradition, doesn't it? Um, if you're talking about Don Juan, if you're looking at Casanova, um, things like Les Danger uh, Liaisons Dangerous um, and so on and so forth. A lot of it comes from that European tradition, doesn't it? Mm, true. I have to say I haven't read all of them, but I do know what you mean. Mm, like mm. That, that literature, indeed, well, comes from Europe, like bow before us Americans. We've got like 2,000 years of culture ahead of us. So behind. we're... Hmm? Yeah, behind sorry, it. behind us. Yeah, behind us. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> we are experienced cultural Europeans. Americans, Absolutely. well, when we look at Americans, we think, oh, look at them. They're cute. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, again, it's a... The, the, the seduction that Robert Greene writes about indeed has that Renaissance flair to it. Mm, mm. 
Mm, it does. That, it does. Yeah. Um, but it works in any culture. This is the thing. I mean, it, it's very. And actually, he talks about he talks about um, Asia in this book as well, doesn't he? He talks about he he talks about Japan. He talks about India. He talks about you know. So it's kind of global. His his um his influences like, as a writer are, are global. And he talks about America as well because he talks about JFK and Marilyn Monroe and people. Um, but I just mean that sort of like the interplay of the seductive dance. There's a certain sort of European aspect to it, I think. But listen, anyway, maybe maybe we're getting a little bit too. We're alienating half the audience now, so maybe maybe we should keep going down this route. But um, you've you've just got to be playful. You've got to be sort of open to. It's all a bit of a game. It's all a bit of a. There's smoke and mirrors. It's all kind of fun. Don't be too serious. Don't take yourself too seriously, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you, you know, take it from there. Bruno Goat says you Europeans eat buttholes in a classy way. I'd, very likely. Would you agree with that? Never tried it. <laughs> it's not a delicacy um, that In I have, uh, no. have favoured. But um, and then Ian says, "Vulgarian sounds like someone who gives a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, huh?" Without any subtlety, subtlety is good. Yeah, that's the thing. Subtlety is is key. So look, we can probably wind it up there now. It, it, he goes into some historical uh, examples, as always. Um, he says a couple of things. Not entirely sure about. He says. At one point, he says, there's nothing more anti-seductive than someone that has assumed that, that that you are theirs, that you cannot possibly resist them. I'm not sure that's true, because I think assumption can be very powerful in many cases. But with all of this stuff, I mean, you know, there's subtlety to it. There's nuance. You've got to take certain things with a pinch of salt. But I think in general, the types of anti-seducer that he outlines here are they do hold, don't they? They do. They 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 are in line with our experience in terms of the dating marketplace, right? Yes, absolutely. That's why this is one of those chapters I'd like to reread every now and then. It's just a reminder, like, hey, not even to women alone. This for everybody. These character traits are just very unattractive. Absolutely, absolutely. So avoid them like the plague. And he says, you know, at the end, if you want to anti-seduce someone, simply do the qualities at the beginning of the chapter. So there is always that side of things as well. If you want to put somebody off, if you want to repel people for whatever reason, then then these are some good things that you can be doing. But look, anyway, on that note, we're on the hour. Um, thanks again, uh, as always, Jack, for coming in and, and, and joining me in this wonderful journey through the work of Robert Greene. Thank um, you for having me. Always a lot of fun. Um, what have you got coming up at the moment and where can guys find you? Well, I hit 5,000 followers on Twitter, which I thought was nice. very cool. Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. The world completely changed all of yes, a sudden. Yes, it does. Yes, yes. <laughs> You've become a Twitter celebrity. Yes, I have now officially become a guru, I think. I hope not. But um, for people who don't know, I narrated the Gendernomics audiobooks before I had the braces when my voice was still more fluent and we've had that... <laughs> Well. So in celebration of the 5K followers, what I did was make the audiobook bundle, so there's two audiobooks, available for five euros till February the 5th. Oh. The link to the audiobooks is in the chat right now. Normally it's uh, 34.97. Now it's five bucks for nice. two audiobooks until February the 5th. So get yours now, and there are only 100 available. Uh, 10 have already sold, so now 90 are available. So get yours while you can. Jump on that, guys, because 
Gendernomics is a fantastic book. Black Label Logic, our, our friend, uh, Carl, he's a fantastic writer, uh, you know, amazing guy, great insights, et cetera, et cetera. And Jack has a very beautiful voice. So combined, it's like the gods making love. They all make sense all of a sudden. Like you have difficulty navigating the sexual marketplace. Now it will all be cleared. Exactly. Bruno says, do you take Bitcoin? I'm not sure. No, not via Gumroad. Is that a private thing you'd, you'd look at or, or is that? No, uh, no. Okay, okay. No. Not at this time, uh, um, Bruno, I'm afraid. But actually, I had heard that Gumroad are probably looking at taking Bitcoin. I mean, you know, it, it, it'll be down the line. But um, but anyway, I take, I, take, I take Bitcoin, by the way. I take anything, any currency or sheep or goats. If you want any of my products, um, just get in touch and, you know, we can sort something out. We can do some kind of barter system. Um so uh yeah so that's about it um please do hit subscribe to the channel hit the notifications bell give us a like give us a comment if you could drop a comment underneath the video because that really really helps thanks everybody for for being in the chat but if you drop a comment underneath the video really really helps with the algorithm so please do that tell us if you like the show if you hated it if you like the interplay between me and jack if you think we're a couple of stuffy european idiots and you want more american type stuff on here Whatever you want to say, please do so. Give us a like, a dislike, etc. Really helps. Get on my free daily email list as well, because I've got an email coming out tonight, which is about the charmer and the charismatic. So I'm writing summaries of this stuff in, in written form as well, putting them out to my free email list first. So jump on board with that free email. Also, if you want to read my writing about game and dating in the dating marketplace, uh, grab Renegade Dating Blueprints, which is my collection of 11 books. You can get that for just $39 on the link below. And that's it, really. So um, thanks ever so much, Jack. We're going to be back on Thursday, aren't we? Yes. So we will look forward to seeing you guys again on Thursday. We'll leave it there for now.